the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Some 500 years ago, something happened within the church that altered the church's course forever. Join us today here on Abounding Grace as we continue our little mini journey on church history. That's up next. It was just over 500 years ago, and a guy by the name of Martin Luther nailed 95 Thesis on the church door there in Germany. It altered the way we viewed church forevermore, and it really separated the Catholic Church from the Protestant Church. Today, we're going to begin a look at John Calvin and the Protestant Reformation, we invite you to join us for a very encouraging look at a bit of church history. What are the shoulders you and I stand on as evangelicals here in America today? Glad you asked. We've got some answers. With today's broadcast of Abounding Grace, here's Pastor Gary. The opening reading today of Isaiah 4, 2-6 is obviously a messianic passage about the accomplishments of the Lord Jesus Christ prophesied centuries before his birth. He is the branch of the Lord. And it says he is going to come to beautify his church, to make her beautiful by doing two things, by making her holy and by filling her with his glory. And the glory cloud, which was the protection and the canopy And the shelter of the people of God in the Old Testament was the miraculous visualization of God's presence. So the prophecy is that when the Lord Jesus Christ comes upon the stage of human history, he will beautify his church and make her glorious by purifying her with his Holy Spirit and his word, making her holy and pure and then by restoring her to the very presence of God himself. Jesus did that when he came on the scene 2,000 years ago and has proven time and again that he is still in the business of beautifying, purifying his church and filling it with the glory of God. And the greatest manifestation. An illustration of that since apostolic times is the Protestant Reformation of the 16th century. After a thousand years of spiritual decline, superstition, immorality, false doctrine on the part of the Church of Rome, God's Spirit raised up men in the early 1500s, the 16th century, to purify and beautify his church by his word and spirit, to reform her by the word of God, that God's glory might be restored in her. Now that is what I'm going to talk about today. 
And I begin each of these historical messages with scripture so you won't get the impression that this is just a history lesson. That these messages on church history are attempts to apply the word of God and to understand the cloud of witnesses that has gone on before us. That we might be instructed and encouraged and warned by what we see in their lives and by the hand of God that we see upon them. (coughs) Excuse me. The Protestant Reformation began October 31st, 1517, when Martin Luther nailed 95 theses to the church door of Wittenberg, Germany, spelling out his disagreement with the doctrines of the Roman Catholic Church. And he was simply calling for a public debate on these issues. He wrote these disagreements in Latin, but someone came along and translated them into German and a host of other European languages. And so it spread like wildfire all over the continent of Europe. Now bear in mind, just 25 years earlier, Columbus discovered America. You need to know what was going on in the year 1517 around the world. Those who were aware of Martin Luther's nailing the 95 Theses to the church door had absolutely no idea this would be a history-changing event. In 1517, there were three young kings in Europe just beginning their reigns. There was Charles V of the Holy Roman Empire of Germany, who was only 17. There was Francis I of France, who was only 23 years old. And then there was Henry VIII of England, who was only 26. And if you know anything about church history, you know that all three of these men reigned for the next 20 years, fighting each other, befriending each other, but each of them persecuting Christians. Charles V was responsible for the death of 30,000 Protestants and Francis I and Henry VIII for thousands more. When Martin Luther pounded his complaints on the door at Wittenberg, he was only 34 years old. John Knox, the great reformer of Scotland, was only 11 years old. John Calvin of Geneva was only eight years old. Martin Bootser, the great German reformer, was 26 years old, and Zwingli was 33. Now, what is, crucial, what is the crucial importance of the Protestant Reformation? Why do we make such a big deal of it? Because it was the greatest event that occurred since the close of the biblical canon at the end of the first century. The greatest, most important event to take place since the apostolic age during the days of Christ and right after his death. You could say that the Protestant Reformation was the greatest revolution in history since that first century. But it wasn't really a revolt so much as it was the reestablishment, the rediscovery of the principles of the earliest, purest 
Christianity. The Protestant Reformation was a spirit-produced revival and reformation of the church and of society by the word of God. It was a revolution different from any other revolution before or since. All other revolutions were concerned with political changes. But what brought on this revolution was the love of the truth, a love of holiness, a love of God. You might say the two greatest revolutions, the two greatest events in the past 2,000 years was the apostolic Christianity of the first century and the Protestant Reformation of the 16th. And neither one of these great events nor their efforts were limited to one nation. But their influence extended over the whole world for generations and for centuries and still is in effect with us today. In fact, apostolic Christianity of the first century and the Reformation are one and the same revolution brought about in different eras and under different circumstances. The first is the parent of the other. The Protestant Reformation wasn't trying to replace the apostolic Christianity of the first century, but the Protestant Reformation would have been nothing without apostolic Christianity of the first century. The Protestant Reformation had as its motivation and its goal the restoration of the purest form of biblical Christianity of the first century after it had been cluttered up and confused from the previous many centuries. Now, whenever you want to have people follow you, And you want to make an impact on people, you do what someone like Newt Gingrich has become known for. That may be before the time of many of you, but... And that is, you make sure your speeches are full of sound bites. Because if you are like me, and your sentences have several commas and semicolons in it, you won't get too many interviews on the news because they won't be able to get in a complete sentence in the 30 seconds that they allot to you. But Newt Gingrich, in that he could think out short sound bite sentences, was always being quoted. He may have been right, he may have been wrong, but he always says something that communicates what he believes in easily understood sound bites. That was on purpose. And that is what they did in the 16th century. These Protestant reformers had short, crisp, clear slogans and sound bites that set forth their message of the grace of God with unmistakable clarity and in a way that even the most common people would not forget. So God led his people to victory through the Protestant Reformation under these sound bites. Sola gratia, solo Christo, solo cruce, solo fide, solo de gloria, and sola scriptura. Now, those are sound bites, and each one of them catches the gist of the major emphasis of the reformers. And they knew this long before Mr. Newt Gingrich. Sola gratia. 
Two words. Sola, S-O-L-A, gratia, G-R-A-T-I-A. Sola means alone, gratia means grace. So one of the great emphasis of the Protestant Reformation is that our salvation and our standing with God is based upon God's sovereign, undeserved, unmerited, unearned grace alone, and not on anything we do, accomplish, or merit as over against what we will see are the doctrines of Roman Catholicism. The second great is solo Christo. Solo, S-O-L-O, Christo, C-H-R-I-S-T-O. And that is that God's grace has accomplished our salvation by Christ alone. That God has worked out and finished the salvation of God's people throughout all eternity through the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved in the name of Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So, sola gratia, salvation by grace and not by anything we do. Solo Christo, salvation is found in Christ and him alone. Then solo cruce, by cross, by the cross alone. That the Lord Jesus Christ was our propitiation, and on Calvary's cross he endured the punishment our sins deserved as our substitute. And by dying in our place, he propitiated the wrath of God. He turned away God's wrath and satisfied God's justice that we might be saved. Solo fide. S-O-L-A. F-I-D-E. Salvation is received by faith in Christ alone. Now, let me tell you an official Roman Catholic doctrine. After the Protestant Reformation, the Roman Catholic Church became worse than it had ever been before. And it made it impossible for itself to really ever change at heart unless it was willing to totally humiliate itself before the world, which I pray will one day happen. So at the Council of Trent, as a result of a counter-revolution to try and straighten up the Roman church, at least superficially, so that they thought the reformers wouldn't have any complaint against them, the Council of Trent, which today remains the official doctrinal statement of the Roman Catholic Church, says... This in so many words. If anyone believes or teaches that salvation is by faith in Christ alone and not by the works of the law, let him be anathema or cursed to hell. Now, what was it the Protestant Reformation said? We're not saved by works, we're not saved by the sacraments, we're not saved by the church. We're not saved by the decrees of man. We're not saved by baptism. We are saved by God's grace. Sola fide. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone and in nothing. Nothing 
else. The reason the book of Galatians was written was because there were Judaizers who were plaguing the church and said that we are saved by grace and circumcision. And Paul says, if anyone comes preaching another gospel, then the one I preach to you of salvation by faith alone, let him be accursed. Solo Deo Gloria. S-O-L-A-D-E-O-G-L-O-R-I-A is glory be to God alone. That the reason salvation is by grace through faith is that it cuts all ground out from human boasting. So that no man has to give all glory, all honor, has to give all glory, all honor, and all credit to God for anything and everything good in life. And then the last phrase is sola scriptura. S-O-L-A-S-C-R-I-P-T-U-R-A. And that is the only place we can see and read the revealed will of God for us in the Holy Scripture. That the Bible is the final and infallible word of God, the source of all truth and ethics. Now, that flies in the face of the Roman Catholic Church that says, though the Bible is the word of God, it is one of the threefold sources of truth and of ethics. So, in Roman Catholicism, you have three sources of truth. You have the Bible, church tradition that includes the decrees of the church and of the Pope, and you have reason or nature. So that is why they say, you don't have to get all of your doctrines out of Scripture. You can get them from the decrees of the church or from reason. But over against that, the Protestant Reformation said, no, sola scriptura. That the Bible is a complete revelation of God and all you need to understand life in this world and live life the way it is meant to be lived is in Holy Scripture alone. (coughs) So, you see those sound bites that the reformers used to set the world on fire. People couldn't forget them. Sola gratia, solo Cristo, sola fide, Solo Deo Gloria, Sola Scriptura, or to put the gospel of the Reformation simply in one paragraph. And now this is distinctly reformed, so listen. Jesus did it all, all to him I owe. In my hand no price I bring, simply to his cross I cling. Here I hold because here I am held. Faith is simple. The hand which grasps Christ and his righteousness. It is by grace alone, through faith alone, on the ground of Christ's righteousness alone, that God, um, that God and God alone saves us. We supply nothing but the sin to be saved. All the merit, all the praise for our salvation belongs to God, our only Savior. This is the gospel freely offered in the Bible and brought to our heart by the Holy Spirit through the preaching, teaching, and reading of the Word of God. Now, where did the Protestant Reformation take place? Everywhere, all over Europe. 
You study about every country after country and read only thrilling story after story. Martin Luther and his successor, Philip Melanchthon, were used of God to bring Reformation to Germany. William Farrell, Martin Butzer, and John Calvin were used of God as well as Zwingli to bring Reformation to France and Switzerland. John Rogers, Hugh Latimer, Nicholas Ridley, Thomas Cramner, and the Puritans were used to bring Reformation to England. Patrick Hamilton, George Wissert, and John Knox were used of God to bring Reformation to Scotland. The Cadens of Dort, the Belgic Confession, the Heidelberg Catechism established the Reformation in the Netherlands and in Belgium. John A. Lasko took the Reformation to Poland. Reinhardt, Bergenhagen, and Towson brought the Reformation to Denmark. Olaf and Lars Andersen brought it to Sweden. The French Huguenots, Scottish Covenanters, English Puritans and Scotch-Irish Presbyterians and German Lutherans bought it to America from which land God has taken it around the world. And in the 16th century, reformers were found even in Spain, Italy, and Hungary. But I want to spend the rest of our time today and next week talking about the standard bearer of the Protestant Reformation, John Calvin. John Calvin's student and close friend for many years was a man named Theodore Beza. And he actually has a biography that he wrote about John Calvin, which is absolutely superb. He loved John Calvin. In 1564, the year of Calvin's death, his best friend, Theodore Beza, wrote these words about him. He said this concerning Calvin's life. I have been a witness of Calvin's life for 16 years, and I think I am fully entitled to say that in this man, there was exhibited to all a most beautiful example of the life and the death of the Christian. Now, I'm going to divide Calvin's life into three or four phases. And that first phase will be from 1509 to 1536, which I have titled The Preparation and Conversion of Calvin. Calvin was born July the 10th, 1509 in Noyon, France. He was trained and studied theology and law at the universities of Paris and of Orleans. At those universities, he came in contact with several Protestant ideas through his professors. We don't know exactly when Calvin was converted to Christ, but it was somewhere between the years 1533 and 1534. And in all of the massive volumes of Calvin, which number almost 16 volumes, not even uh, containing many of his letters of personal correspondence, he is so God-centered and so enamored with God that he only mentions his own conversion once, one time, and that in one line where he simply says, by a sudden conversion, God subdued my heart to teachableness. That says it all, doesn't it? In that one sentence, we see that the soul, the heart of Calvin's faith was the absolute obedience of his intellect to the word of God 
and the total submission of his will to the will of God for the sake of Christ. When he was 26 years old, he wrote one of the two or three most important books ever to be written in the past 500 years. He wrote in 1536 the first edition of his great work, The Institutes of the Christian Religion. He continued to edit and expand that all through his life up until 1559. And by the time he was finally satisfied with it, at the end of his life, it was five times larger than his original work. But the theology hadn't changed one bit. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 40 408- 8665607 that's 4088665607 our website where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us is reformedheritage.org and then of course you can write to us at PMB that stands for post mailbox number 402 1484 Pollard Road Los Gatos California the zip code is 95032 now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.